Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. And don't forget, if you enjoy taking notes, you can download the fillable PDF file on our website at goharvest.org forward slash notes. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. Hallelujah. Give the Lord great praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Hold your Bibles high and say, this is my Bible, the living and powerful, proven Word of God, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, God's holy Word on which I stand, and having done all, I'm going to stand on the Word of God. Whatever the Word of God says I am, whatever the Word of God says I have, whatever the Word of God says I can do, say with me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. You sound like a bunch of believers. Hallelujah. Thanks for coming out today. There's a set of notes for the message that you are going to receive here in just the next few moments. And notes always help it just for you to retain so much more from the gospel than just hearing it without writing anything down. So I just want to encourage you to use your notes and you'll have a good framework on the Word of God this morning. I'm starting up. Before I start this new series that we're in right now called Overcomer, I want to just thank you again, everyone, for all of your faithfulness and giving For the past year and a half, you've always been a giving church and you've always been a faithful church. But during this time that we've been in, this time of pandemic, you have been so faithful right here on campus and at home and online. So many people give online. I want to just thank you for your gifts. Um, We just had, uh, I just got our financial report for the month of July. Are you listening to me right now? Month of July. And our month of July, in the middle of a pandemic, was the, a record month. And when I say a record month, it has to be the best month we've had in like 31 years. So it's, anytime I say record, it means it had to be 30 other Julys out. And this last July, just a few weeks ago, was the best month we've had in th- over 30 years. Give the Lord a great hand clap for that. Isn't that a great thing? I mean, how does that happen? But for the grace of God. And I pray for you every night Every night that I go to pray, I pray for you that God would bless you, that God would bless your lives, that he would help you to grow in Christ, become a good disciple of Christ, but also I pray that God would bless you and make you a blessing. And that prayer is just being answered over and over. Um, I don't know, in the last couple of weeks, I was on, uh, out away on PTO and uh, uh, time away, and then, um, but I was so glad Pastor Gary just preached a wonderful message, then Pastor Markell did the same. I get emails uh, or text messages from my uh, twin brother who watches over in uh, Illinois, and, and he was saying, man, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Gary's bringing the heat today. He's got a good message on. And then last Sunday he said, man, I'll tell you what, Pastor Markell is just really laying down a solid word. And part of what we do here at Harvest Church as a church family, we watch each other grow. And so I want to just thank you that you are helping to see these other ministers grow. I mean, they're preaching me into a corner right now. I mean, they're just doing such a great job. And so I just uh, thank you for that. Uh, I don't know if they mentioned this, though, in the last couple of weeks. About three or four weeks ago, we had a men's barbecue, and we had, you know, just under, I don't remember, what we had 150 or 200 there that day? How many? 183 guys there, just a great time at a men's barbecue on a Saturday. This was just a few weeks ago. We received an offering for, to build a uh, water well in Ghana for a minister and a missionary in Ghana. And we've already built some water wells already there for him. Harvest Church, you've already got a water well in Ghana. You also have a water well in Honduras. I was there a couple of years ago, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart while I was in Honduras. I just walked on a campus of a, of, of a church, uh, or not a church, a campus of a school, Christian school campus with a church. They had everything but running water. And the Holy Spirit said, How, why don't you try to help them get water on campus? And it took all kinds. It took a year to get permits and get everything done, but we were able to get a, a water well on that campus in Honduras that's operational today and giving water to the school and the community right there, right out of Harvest Church here. But then... Three weeks ago when we received an offering for Ghana, we were hoping to just raise enough for one offering, I mean one well, and a well cost about $10,000. 
But the offering that morning, or that evening, I should say, at this, just the barbecue, not a church service, the barbecue is over $25,000. So give the Lord a great hand clap for that. 25, so that's two wells. And then Chris, uh, Chris Harrell was with us about two or three weeks ago, and he shared, he shared here about three, three Sundays ago. Chris Harrell was here, and he's planted a church down in Los Angeles. He's a great guy. Um, his first day of his church plant, they had 1,000 people there. And I go, like, that's really, you know, effective. If you had 1,000 on the first day and the next Sunday, you know, they settle in. They had around 600 people, but then the pandemic hit. And, um, and 600, by the way, is an amazing start for a new church. But when he came to us and he was ministering to us, he was actually quite discouraged and just things going through. We have an established church here. We have a campus. We have a campus that's paid for. We have... We have so many ways that God has blessed us, but we are blessed to be a blessing. And so he came in that weekend and just, he said, I'm not gonna receive anything this weekend. Just if you'll receive an offering for the church, that would be great. And I was thinking, he was maybe thinking that we would help with $3,000 or something like that, which would have been really nice. But when you gave that morning, the offering just for him, not the church, but just for his church, was uh, right around $18,000. And he wrote a note to us last week and he said, Pastor Perry, that day at Harvest Church was for me personally. I was so discouraged. And he said, we had so many things going on. He said, I was feeling like giving up. I'm not going to give up, but I was feeling like giving up. And he says, Harvest Church absolutely picked me up. And it was like God was saying, I'm with you and I'm going to help you. So Harvest Church family, um, you are blessed to be a blessing. Pray that you'll continue to do that. I just love you so much. Thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, all over the place that's making a difference in the lives of others. And all of God's people said amen, amen, hallelujah. So I want to talk this morning about uh, a, a new series here. Uh, for just three weeks here in September, and I think I'll have three more messages in October uh, in this series, but it's overcomer. How many of the God wants us to be an overcomer in this world that we're living in? And man, you really got to think about it because living life right now is not a cakewalk. With all of the uncertainty and all of the things going on in, in our country today, uh, all of the things that we, all of the changes that are here and, and the changes that keep coming, we have to live with the attitude of an overcomer. So, uh, so this week we're going to begin this series. We're going to be talking about, uh, today I'm talking about overcoming your enemies. Next Sunday I'm going to be talking about uh, the spirit of an overcomer. I've never talked about the spirit of an overcomer. But it's in there and it's in my spirit right now and I can't wait to hear what I've got to say next week, all right? Because I've still got to develop this message. But there is a spirit of an overcomer. We'll find out about it next Sunday. And then on the third Sunday, we're going to talk about the reward of an overcomer. And we're going to get into the book of Revelation and you're going to see what the reward of an overcomer is. But let's start out here this morning with overcoming your enemies. In other words, the enemies of an overcomer. Because enemies are a part of the Christian life. You're going to have spiritual enemies that come your way, but God has given us authority over all of the enemies. Now, the Bible says this, for everyone born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It says everyone born of God overcomes the world. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have been born of God? Wave at me. And the Bible says this, that some of the people that have been born of God overcome the world. No, it says everyone. Say with me this morning, everyone, that means you. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Isn't that a good word right now? And then the next verse says this, who is it that overcomes the world? It's asking the question. Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me ask you a question here this morning. How many of you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Amen. So the Bible says you can be an overcomer. And as an overcomer, as a follower of Christ, God has given you authority over your enemies. Look at me right now. You don't need to be afraid of what the devil is dishing your way. You have authority over the devil in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And when Joshua, I'll just kind of take a hard, go all back, right back to the beginning. When Joshua was getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, they were in Egypt, but, uh, uh, pardon me, not Joshua, uh, well, Moses was lifted up by God, but then Joshua was getting ready to lead the new generation. So let me just back up, just like that. Um, the children of Israel had followed Moses. Then they went into 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But when the new generation of Israelites were getting ready to go into the promised land, 
God spoke to them, and he spoke to Joshua, and he says this, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, how do you know that it's God, the one, it's God through us that drives out many nations? It isn't us, but it's his power. Say it with me, his power. Not my power, but his power, amen? But he says, you're gonna drive out many nations. Now, and here's the nations real quickly, all right? The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, Perizzites, and I used to call them the Parasites, the, 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 the Hivites, the Jebusites, all of these ites, seven nations that are stronger and uh, larger and stronger than you. So they had to go into the promised land, but there, he said ahead of time, there are going to be seven nations that are larger and stronger than you. How many of you know that that'll make you quake a little bit? But God says this, I'm going to give you the power to overcome those seven nations. So in your notes, when God's people, the Israelites, then he says this, when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you've defeated them, then you must destroy them totally, make no treaty with them, and show them no mercy. So watch this. A lot of people want to drive the devil out of their lives, but only part way out of their lives. And he's saying this, you know what? Don't show them any mercy. Everyone this morning, don't show the devil any mercy in your life. Don't try to make some kind of a territorial agreement with them. You can have a little piece of me, but not all of me. Don't even do that. It says, drive them out completely and show no mercy. And then when God's people, so when God's people in your notes entered Canaan, the promised land, they encountered enemies from what? Seven nations. Say it with me, seven nations that were stronger than them, all right? Then they would also, in addition to those seven nations, they'd also have to fight the Philistines. Say with me this morning, the Philistines. The Philistines. If you want to do an interesting study, just find out. Uh, just do a study on the Philistines. Just Google it and read up on the Philistines. But the Philistines were actually counterculture, counter God, all of that. They devalue the human experience. They devalue the greatness, that, what God put on the inside of us. They just devalued it all. And, and so they were hostile, they were indifferent, and they were even indifferent to culture. And they were an aggressive and warmonging, warmonging people. When you talk about the Philistines, they, we had to fight about eight big battles against the Philistines in addition to all these other countries, all right? So check out the Philistines. And they were a perpetual enemy uh, that the Israelite always had to deal with was the Philistines, all right? Now... Uh, so what I'm trying to say here this morning is this. In life, you're going to have some enemies. How many know that what I'm saying is true, right? In life, you're going to have some spiritual enemies. Let me prove that it's true right now. How many of you are believers in Jesus Christ? And how many of you have had some spiritual battles in your life at the same time, right? It's just proof right now. We will have enemies, but God has given us the power and authority to overcome the enemies in the name of Jesus. All right. A lot of, lot of stories. I was looking in, 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 you know, the history of the wars in the Bible. There's about 50 different wars that you could refer to and give stories of right now. Um, you also have about eight different battles with the Philistines. But I want to just, of all the battles that I could kind of, uh, you know, refer to this morning um, that kind of... Uh, highlight uh, overcoming the enemies. One of the most epic stories in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath. How many of you like that one, amen? How many of you know the story of David and Goliath, right? David comes against Goliath, and how many of you know how the story ends? Uh, then I'm just kind of going like, well, then why should I even preach this this morning? You already got that down, but we're going to just touch on it for a second. You already know the story. Ends. How many of you have ever watched a movie two, twice or three times? And you already knew how it ended, but you wanted to see it again, all right? Let's take a quick look at this morning, all right? Everyone, look at me right now. I, I, I'm out of time, um, but I need to finish this message because you need to hear it, and you need spiritual food this morning. You're going to get physical food all week, including today. You're going to go to Mimi's. You're going to go to In-N-Out. But we need, as much as we need food for the body, we need food for the soul. So I'm going to give you some soul food for the next 20 minutes. Is that okay? Soul food. And so the, the other food will keep you physically alive, but the soul food will keep you spiritually alive. So I don't want you to come to church at any time and say, well, it's just a sermon, man. I hope the pastor doesn't go on too long. hope he doesn't preach one of those long sermons or anything like that. Like, that's exactly what the devil wants you to hear. 
Man, I can't bear to just listen to a sermon for 20, 25 minutes, but you can bear to watch a miniseries for three hours a night. Come on, work with me, everyone. <laughs> we really do. Okay, so let me get to preaching here and not to meddling, all right? Okay. Well, you know how it worked. King Saul, he was a king at that time. King Saul stood head and shoulders above them all. He was the one that God had anointed to be king because the people wanted a king, not because God wanted a... God always wanted to be our king, but the people wanted a king of their own. You understand that, right? So he gave him Saul. And so you got King Saul. He stands head and shoulders. He's a good-looking guy. He's got the Israelites on one side on a mountain, and then, you have, and then you have the Philistines with Goliath on another side of the mountain. Goliath, by the way, was their champion. He stood about 10 foot tall. So in the NBA right now, the uh, tallest players in the world right now in the NBA are like 7 foot 7 inches tall. That's the tallest. Remember Yao Ming and how tall he was? Add two feet to him, and then you've got Goliath. He was almost 10 feet tall. And I'm telling you what, he was their champion, and you feel pretty good when you've got a champion like Goliath working for you. So today, Goliath would have definitely been contacted by the World Federation Wrestling, I'm sure. You know, can you imagine? He'd go by his own name, Goliath. You know, here's Goliath against whatever, you know, the, uh, what's the other guy? The Undertaker, you know, or something like that. He'd go against that. But he'd also be in the NFL. Man, he'd be a great linebacker. Or he'd be in the NBA. And I don't know how good his free throw would be. I doubt if it would be very good. But um, I'm sure that he could just drop the ball right in, being 10 feet tall. So you got Goliath on your side. And Goliath stood before the people of Israel and the people of the Philistines. He stood at the valley and he taunted them for 40 days and 40 nights. And he said, bring one. I'm the champion of the Philistines, but you bring out your champion. I'll fight him one-on-one. We won't have to go to battle together. Whoever wins the battle, we settle it right there between two men. And for 40 days and 40 nights, nobody took him up on his offer. And so you got David right there. David comes into the picture like this. David's oldest three brothers were in the Israel military. They were out on the front lines. But David was keeping the sheep in Bethlehem for his father, Jesse. And one day, Jesse said, David, I need you to bring a cheese plate and a a bread plate over to the boys there, the three boys that are over there. Bring it over to them and then say hi to them from me and then come back and give me a report on what's going on. And while David was there, he comes over to his brothers and he gives them and he hears about Goliath and then he sees Goliath taunting them. And he's looking around and saying, you know, he heard about Goliath, but then he also heard about the reward. Whoever would overcome Goliath would get to marry the king's daughter and then he would also have great riches and then he'd be tax-free for the rest of his life. How many of you say, sign me up for that? Even if the daughter's ugly, sign me up for that. But let me say here, let me just say here that uh, Saul had a very beautiful daughter. Saul himself was a very good-looking, handsome person, the Bible says, and his daughter, it stood to reason that she would also be very beautiful. And so he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And he says, I'll take him down. Nobody else is going to fight him. I'll fight him. And with his passion, it got the attention of the king. And by the way, if you're going against the devil and you've got God on your side, you might as well have some passion and have some enthusiasm. Amen? Don't kind of hold back about it or be wimpy about it. Say, praise God in the name of Jesus. We're going to be victorious today. And so word reached... King Saul about this little kid named David and he called him into his tent and he had a conversation with him and, and, and he says what makes you think you can fight this Philistine when you're just a kid and he's been a man of war since his youth what makes you think that you can even beat him and David said to Saul we'll pick it up now in 1 Samuel 17 alright because I'm going to preach fast this morning alright how many of you will stick with me come on amen, amen. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion and a bear came and carried the sheep off from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth, and when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, and I struck it and killed it. 
killed it. Now watch this. He says, your servant, that's me, he's David saying, has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised or this unclean pagan Philistine is going to be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. Who does he think he is to defy the armies of the living God? And then he says this, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Notice he didn't call Goliath's hand a paw. But I love the use of English right here. The God who delivered me from the paw of the bear and from the paw of the lion is going to deliver me from the hand of this giant Philistine. So Saul was convinced and he said to David, go and the Lord be with you. But then Saul said this, hey, I I just want to help you out a little bit. Take my armor, put my armor on, put my helmet on, use my sword, and go out. So he dressed him up in his own armor. Remember that, how he did that? And then uh, David became very uncomfortable in the king's armor because it wasn't what he was used to. David was used to having a slingshot, not a sword, and he was used to having a staff, but but the king said, you can't go out with that. You've got to be covered with armor and do all of that. But when he said, man, I just can't do this, instead, David went to meet Goliath with a shepherd's staff and a slingshot and five stones, all right, against this giant. Watch 1 Samuel 17, 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream. They were smooth so that they would fly through the air easily. And he put them in a pouch of a shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. So he picks up his rocks from the stream and now he's getting ready to approach Goliath the giant. Now, when Goliath the giant saw David coming towards him, you know what he said? He said something like this, you've got to be kidding me. Are you kidding me? I'm 10 feet tall and you're sending out a kid from a field I heard in Bethlehem who's just taking care of sheep. I'll tell you what, young people, you might be just young, but I'll tell you what, if you've got a sling in your hand and God on your side, you can take down a giant. Can I get a witness, amen? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Hallelujah. Don't ever underestimate what God can do in your lives. I saw yesterday, I think it was yesterday, these two young tennis players, uh, I think one was maybe 18, one was 19 or whatever, going into the, what is it, the U.S. Open or something like that, and they weren't even supposed to make the team. They weren't even supposed to make the cut at all, and here they end up being at the very top. They just didn't know they couldn't do it, and they just went and did it because of their passion. They got out there. It was just a great story. I never watched the match. I just came across the story and thought, man, that is a good story. So when, David's, uh, when Goliath saw David coming, he said, you've got to be kidding me. He looked David over, watch this, and he saw that he was, a li- he was little more than a boy, glowing with health, handsome, and he despised him. Let me say that again. He looked David over and he saw that he was a little, little more than a boy, glowing with health, handsome, and he despised him. <sighs> That's how I feel as a 65-year-old person now, about every 30-year-old that I see. (laughs) But I don't despise them, I envy them. I go like, you don't even know what you got with your youth right now. Everything's in the right place and everything works. And, 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 And you're healthy and you got muscles and you don't have all this extra fat around and everything, you know, you're just going like, man, I just, you know, all these things. You get. Anyway, how many understand what I'm saying? You just gotta, is there. And then I go like, uh, but, but he despised him. Anyway, that's an aside. It's just a personal matter that I'm trying to deal, work through myself. <laughs> I, I like to see him at the coffee shop. I go, you don't even know what you got. You got youth. You got it made right now. So enjoy it, y'all, you 20-somethings, 30-somethings, while it lasts. Enjoy it, man, because it goes by really fast. Okay. And then he said to David, he, goes, he was insulted. He said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He cursed him by his gods. And I realize this. The Philistine cursed David by his gods with a small g. How many of you realize in the spiritual realm there are more than one god? There are many gods. There are many gods, but we serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the God of all. Hallelujah. The Lord God Almighty. Just remember that. You'll come up against other powers, but not nothing can come against the power of Almighty God. He says, so he, he cursed him by the armies of, uh, 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 he cursed him by his gods. Where am I at right now? 
Yeah, there it is. And he says, come here and I'm going to give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. That's what um, uh, Goliath said to David. He said, come here and I'm going to feed you to the birds and the wild animals. Now watch this, everyone. This is the big turning point. So David said to Goliath, how many of you, by the way, have ever had the, uh, a Goliath in your life try to scare you and try to whisper, you know, lies into you and try to intimidate you? David said to Goliath, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. And here's what he said, you come against me, but I'm coming against you. In other words, when the enemy comes your way, everybody, turn the table on the enemy. When the enemy says, I'm coming against you, you say, well, you got that wrong. I'm coming against you. You come against me, but no, I'm coming against you in the name. And I said this about three months ago. When the enemy says to you, no way, you say to the enemy, Yahweh. Because I'm coming against you in the name of the Yahweh, the name of the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. And then he says this. So that's confidence. That's confidence right there. Does everybody get that? He spoke. In other words, You've got to have confidence. In other words, you've got to speak, prophesy to the problem. First of all, have confidence in God. Secondly, prophesy to the problem. And he says this, this day the Lord's going to deliver you into my hand and I'm going to strike you down and cut off your head. He didn't even have a sword. <laughs> this very day I'm going to give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals and the whole earth is going to know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he's going to give all of you into our hands. Say it with me this morning, the battle is the Lord's. Everybody, how many of you know you don't work in your own strength, you work in God's strength? It's who you represent that makes all of the difference. It's who's on your side. If God had not been on our side, we wouldn't have had a chance. But let me tell you something this morning, everyone. God is on your side. And it's not that you have a chance. You're going to overcome the enemy in the name of Jesus. So as the Philistine Goliath moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle to meet him. We used to have songs like that, run to the battle. How can you run to the battle? You can run to the battle when you know you're going to win the battle and you know who's on your side. And reaching into his bag, he took out a stone. He slung it and he struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone was with such velocity that it sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Bang! He puts out that slow, hits him right in the head, sinks into his head, knocked him out, and he falls face down on the ground. So the Bible says, David triumphed over the Goliath, over Goliath with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and he killed him. Hallelujah. The enemy was dead. So David ran over and stood over him and he took hold of Goliath's sword. He didn't have his own sword, but he says, I'm going to kill you with the sword. Remember he prophesied that? I'm going to kill you with the sword. Whose sword? Goliath's own sword. He drew it from the sheath, and after he killed it, he cut off his head, and with the, so- it cut off his head with the sword, and when the Philistines saw that they, they, they were dre- dead, they turned and ran. Man, I'll tell you what, God had a great victory that day. I know you might think this is true, too gruesome for kids to hear today, but you haven't seen any of the kids' video games, so they'll, they'll just be fine. Um, and in fact, and in fact, David, this gets worse, it's in the Bible, he actually carried the head around for a couple of days until he got it to the right place. Uh, so that moves the PG movie to an R movie, but he did it, you know, carrying it around, I mean, honestly. Um, anyway, but their hero was dead. The Philistine was, was completely killed. And then the Philistines turned and ran. And then the Bible says this, and I'll end it here. The men of Israel and Judah surged forward. How do you know that when there's a victory won, not only, uh, you know, it, it inspires everyone around you when they see that God is on their side. The men of Israel all of a sudden got courage in Judah, and they surged forward with a shout. Everyone say, Hallelujah! And they pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath. That's where Goliath was from. So they ran him him all the way back to the town that Goliath was from. Great victory right there from a shepherd boy. All right, would you give the Lord a great hand clap for that right now? Hallelujah. All right. I'm doing really good on time, everyone. Don't worry. It's 1222 right now. And... uh, 
We're going to finish her out. You're going to be good. Everyone's doing good? Yes. All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Where's little Eddie at? Is he okay? Is he sleeping yet? Oh, he went to the bathroom. Okay. Eddie, there's Eddie Sr., Eddie Jr., the, the guy, there's a big guy right up here, his son, you know. And uh, he said to me, Pastor Perry, I stayed up till 11 o'clock last night. It was my birthday. And I, I went over and said hi to him, and he goes, hey, there's Eddie right back there. You're still awake, Eddie, good. And, and he, was so, he goes, I'm so tired this morning. I said, are you going to fall asleep during my sermon? And he goes, I don't think so. But anyway, you're doing good, Eddie. God bless you, man. And uh, anyway, I love those little kids. And by the way, I spent some of the best Sunday mornings of my life sleeping on my mother's knee as my dad preached, amen. So I'm just glad you're here. Whether you sleep or not, it's, it's all good. I'm just glad you're here in church. Okay, now, let me give you some takeaways from David and Goliath and about takeaways about being an overcomer, all right? First of all, God will use the unlikeliest of people to accomplish his purposes. David was a keeper of the sheep, and the youngest of Jesse's eight sons, he was the young kid, you know, but he was the Lord's choice to defeat Goliath and overcome the Philistines. In fact, the Lord would soon anoint David to be the king of Israel, the next king of Israel, following Saul after Saul turned his back on God. Remember how that worked? David became the next king, the most unlikely, a keeper of the sheep in Bethlehem, the youngest of all of the kids, lots more brothers that were ahead of him, and yet he's the one that God picked. So God will use the unlikeliest of people to accomplish his purposes. Hallelujah. Hey, I want to tell you something here this morning. I'm you know, I'm a, just a kid from a small town in North Dakota. I lived in North Dakota for 14 years. I lived in a little town called Colum and another little town called Candu. You can do better in Candu. I mean, seriously, it's there. And anyway, but out of that little town of Colum, population 600, it's population about 400 now, they have hello and come back on the same sign. You know, I mean, that small. You just kind of, it's so small, you'll miss the town. You just drive right by it. But I grew up in that little town. We had a great church right there, Column Assembly of God. That little church never despised even little churches out there. That little church in Column, North Dakota, on their 50th anniversary, they had found out that they had over 50 full-time pastors and missionaries out of that church in North Dakota alone. Just that, oh, that church. There's many mega churches that can't even say that. But I was in that little church, a Holy Ghost church, man, where we got a hold of God. Anyway, what was I trying to say about that? I lost my train of thought, and that's what happens. Oh, I was there. Then we moved to Candu, North Dakota. I was looking at going to school, junior high and all of that, reading geography books, wondering if I'd ever get anywhere from North Dakota. Can you get anywhere from North Dakota? Can you get anywhere from where you're at? But I'll tell you what, if you'll put your hand in, in the hand of the man, I'm talking about if you put your hand in God's hand, he'll take you places you've never believed. God called me into ministry. I'd have had no idea that I'm standing here right now. Uh, I, I've, I've visited over 44 countries in the world sharing the gospel, been in all of the states of the United States except for maybe New Hampshire. I think that's the only one I'm missing. And then also... Uh, you know, Alaska, Hawaii, all of the Canadian provinces, plus 44 other countries in the world. How do you get from North Dakota to that except by the grace of God? And I stand here this morning pastoring what I feel is the greatest church in the United States right here, Harvest Church, with the greatest people. And I've been here 20 years. How do you get from North Dakota here except by the hand of God? So God will use the unlikeliest of people to accomplish his purpose. Secondly, God is preparing you to win the battles you'll face in your future. You might be getting beat up right now. The devil might be kind of beating, beating you up. Uh, but I'll tell you what, even in the small things, David conquered a lion and a bear before he conquered Goliath. And God is going to do the same thing in your life. You're going to have little wins along the way. He's preparing you for what God already has prepared for you. So none of these little things you're going, the twists and turns of life, the victories, the defeats, God is working all things together, and God is preparing you to win the battles you will face in your future. Hallelujah. Pray, and your time is coming. Hallelujah. Your time is coming. Turn to your neighbor and say, your time is coming. It's your time to shine. Can I get a witness? Amen. It's your time to shine. Y'all saying it like you almost believe it. 
Turn to your neighbor and get, no, I mean it. Your time is coming. It's your time to shine. Third thing this morning is this. Don't wear another person's armor. Don't wear another person's armor. King Saul tried to persuade David to wear his own armor, but it didn't work for David. It was untested. David had skill in using a slingshot and a staff, but he didn't have skill using a sword and the armor. So he put on his own armor, and it worked better for him. Here's the point. Don't try to be anyone other than the, per- other than the person God created you to be. Don't try to be someone else. Be the person that God created you to be. When God created you, it was volume one, number one, and he threw away the mold. God created you the way that you are because he needs someone just like you. So run your own race in your own way. Stay in your own line, in your own, in your own lane, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. And by the way, along with this, you know, uh, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. When I look in the mirror, you know, I, I, because let me tell you this. The, the Word of God says this, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? And I'm telling you what, if you really loved your neighbor as you love yourself, some of your neighbors wouldn't want to be around you. If you really loved your neighbor as you love yourself, some of your neighbors would actually be hurt. They'd be injured. It's quiet because you know what I'm saying is true. You need to love yourself first, and then you'll be able to love others better. God wants you to love yourself. When I look in the mirror right now, you know what I say? I like you. When I look in the mirror, I like you. You might be losing some of your hair. You might be even trying to color some of your hair. <laughs> but I like you because the reason why I like you is because you're the best you I've got. That's what I tell you, man. I'm not going to put you down because you're the best you I've got. I've been with myself for 65 years now. <laughs> And I'll tell you this, I, I, like when I like myself in the mirror, and I go like, it's, it's okay, man. I'm not going to put you down. i got enough other, you know, other people can do that, but I'm not going to put you down because as long as you are serving God and doing your best, praise God. God is in you. If God before you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Don't, don't wear another person's armor. The, the fifth thing here is this. Be confident in the Lord and prophesy to the problem. We already talked about that. David said to Goliath, you come against me with a sword, and a, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Be confident in the Lord. Say it with me this morning. I'm confident in the Lord. And a, a songwriter many years ago said, I've got confidence. God is going to see me through. Uh, so in other words, be confident in the Lord. And so, and then prophesy to the problem. David said this, this day I'm going to deliver you into the hands. Uh, I'm get, this day the Lord is going to deliver you into my hands and I'm going to take you down and cut off your head. That's confidence. So when you approach a giant, um, be confident in the Lord and also prophesy to the problem. Say, here's what's going to happen. You're going down. Can I get a witness? Amen. So there's a time to take a stand against the giants in your life and prophesy to the problem. Here's how you do it. Man, I come against discouragement right now. I come against depression. I come against debt. I come against disease. I come against death in the name of the Lord. Stand up to it in the name of Jesus and call it what it is. Call it Call it you know, have confidence in the Lord and prophesy to the problem. Jesus spoke to the storm and it went away. He spoke to the fig tree and it withered up. He spoke to the fever and the fever was gone. We need to speak to the things around us and say, in the name of Jesus, I have confidence that God's going to change things in the name of the Lord. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'm almost done. Goliath was dead, but there were more giants to be defeated. If you read on, in 2 Samuel chapter 21, you'll find out that Goliath had relatives. And how do you know that enemies have relatives as well? Goliath had four brothers, or if you read it a different way, it could be four sons, but I believe it was four brothers that were later killed by David's servants, 2 Samuel 21, 22, 1 Chronicles 28. And, uh, but anyway, one of his brothers had uh, six fingers on each hand and six toes on each feet. Yikes. And, uh, but he was that big. In other words, I wouldn't put the giant down. He probably just needed more real estate. He had more digits he could hold, you know. But he had 24 uh, digits on his hand. It's kind of, you know, get your attention. But in other words, here's what I want you to see today. Giants have relatives. How many of you know that when you get one killed, you know, another one comes along? 
So just when you defeat one giant in your life, another one will pop up until you get rid of them all. So I want you to say here this morning, when the giants come your way, uh, David had five stones. We don't know why he had five stones, but he had four brothers waiting in line. So he got the giant one, and then he had four to go. In other words, every time a giant comes into your, your life, don't give up. Keep on being a giant killer. And if you receive that, say aloud, amen. Amen? So don't give up. Now, I want to just, this morning as we wrap up, I want to just talk about a couple of giants. There's many giants in our lives. Let me give you two that I'll just address right now in the day and age that we live in. Number one, these are giants that need to be defeated in today's world, all right? Number one is the giant of this pandemic, the giant of coronavirus. It hasn't been fallen quite yet, have you noticed? And so COVID-19 is the number one issue that we're dealing with right now. We've been in this pandemic for a year and a half, and the giant hasn't quite fallen down. But let me tell you what, God said this, when a mountain comes in your way or a giant stands in your way, here's what you can do, have faith in God. Say it with me this morning, have faith in God. And he says this, truly I say to you, if anyone says to this mountain, be removed and be cast henceforth into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. So he says, have faith in God and mountains can be removed and even giants can be taken out of the way. So I believe that if having faith in God can remove a mountain out of your way, then having faith in God can remove a pandemic out of our way as well. How many believe that that could happen, amen? If you believe that, give the Lord a great shout, amen, a great clap, really. So when we pray and when you pray, remember to pray and say, God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you let this pandemic be lifted off this earth, be lifted off the United States, be lifted off our life. Let's just pray it like it's a giant and believe that God's gonna take that giant out. Little did we know that... uh, the giant of coronavirus would have relatives. And COVID-19 would have a relative called Delta, the Delta variant. And then the Delta variant would have another relative called Mu, the Mu variant. And there's a couple of other variants as well. In other words, the big giant of a a, a, a coronavirus has some relatives out there. But I'll get, let me tell you something. We've got more than one stone in our pouch. And God's going to keep on refilling it. We're going to keep on coming against that giant until it's completely down in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Man, I'm getting this in the spirit just right now. But we're going to live to see a day when this pandemic is truly in the rearview mirror. And it's going to be back in history, but it's not going to be present with us. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to live to see that day that we are out in the clear from this pandemic. There'll be other giants that we'll face, but we're going to be out of this in God's timing. But I pray that God's going to let every one of those giants down. If you believe that, say aloud, amen. Second thing here this morning is this, is the giant of fear. And along with the pandemic, the coronavirus, back when I preached about the coronavirus a year and a half ago, there was only five people that had it in the United States, and no one had died yet. But today, there are more than 41 million people in the United States that have been confirmed with the coronavirus. There's been 670,000 deaths, all right? 4.2 million deaths in the, in the world. This has actually created a fear called coronaphobia. In other words, it's a fear of the virus. And so depression and anxiety are way up and fear is way up, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love and power and of sound mind. So the Bible says this, what's the solution to this? He says, don't worry. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace that passes all understanding and his peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Not only do our hearts need to be guarded, but our minds, because we get filled with all of this fear, all of this confusion, all of this overload, and we need to have his peace. The giant of fear must come down. The giant of the pandemic must come down in the name of Jesus. The last one, and this isn't even your notes, but I'll throw it in for good measure, all right? And then let's go home. Uh, The giant of division. And uh, we have division in our country right now. And, and, and we have, uh, you know, social division, racial division, all those things. But we also even have division in the church over s- stuff. Yeah. 
like, are you a masked church or are you an unmasked church? The answer is yes. <laughs> are you a vaccinated church or are you an unvaccinated church? The answer is yes. The question shouldn't be, are we a masking church or a social distancing church or a uh, vaccinated church or a no-vax church? The question is, is if we're a Jesus church. And that's the whole bottom line is, it's not whether we're pro-vaccination or pro-mask. It's whether we're pro-Jesus is what's going to get us through. Let's not let any of this right now, all of these different, I'm talking takes on what we're going through right now, mask, no mask, this, that, the other thing, vaccine, no vaccine. By the way, I am for choice. I will tell you that. I'm completely for choice. Um, but there's a whole mixed bag in here too, okay? I, just if you can get some context with me. Can you give me a little context without like throwing me out? Um, like when I went to school when I was a little kid, we just lined up for our vaccines, you know? We had flu vaccine. We had uh, chicken pox vaccine. We had measles vaccine. All of those vaccines we lined up. My dad and his brother were in, uh, my dad and his brother were at home uh, in the 1930s and my dad and his brother both got polio. And my brother died in the house. And they had the funeral in the house. And people would cross the street not to be even near the house. My dad lived, but he had a polio-related um, uh, uh, ailment in his body for the, all of his life. And he was a great preacher and a great father and everything, but he always walked very straight. It affected his skeletal frame so that he had trouble with some of his muscles. That was, but when Jonas Salk, they prayed for a vaccine and Jonas Salk comes out with a vaccine and eradicated it from, you know, the, so I come from that generation where we look at it, where measles were taken out of the world. Um, where you could hardly find them. I come from that. That Can you accept that from me, that that's where I can, we kind of just lined up? Today's a different discussion. And so, um, uh, uh, and, and so don't turn me off on that. I'm just saying today we go for choice and we go for freedom, and I'm for freedom and I'm for choice. But don't let any of these be dividers. Can I get a witness? Amen. So... Did I say that right? I don't know. I'll find out next Sunday if I said that right. <laughs> By the number of people that are here. No, folks, it's not about being a vax church or no vax church. It's about being a Jesus church. And Jesus said, I would that you would be one that the world would believe. And I'll tell you what, in all these things that we do, we can be divided along party lines. We can be divided among uh, vaccination lines or mask lines. Let's not be divided. Let's be united. And that giant of division must come down because a house divided against itself cannot stand. A country divided against itself cannot stand. The only way we can stand, the devil will try to divide us, but God will try to unite us. I would that you would be one that the world might believe. As I and the Father are one, that the world might believe. The more one we are, the more the world will believe. So let's go against this, the giant of coronavirus, the giant of fear, and again, the giant of division. All of these giants in our lives, remember this, you have authority over every giant that steps into your life. And if you receive the word of the Lord today, give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Would you do that, amen? Thank you, Lord God. Stand with me and I'm gonna... Pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I just pray right now that your words, Lord God, would um, be sealed in our hearts. Your truth, Lord God, would be sealed in our hearts. Lord, I just pray that everything, Lord God, that was of your spirit, Lord God, would just... Um, stay with us. Anything that wasn't of your spirit, Lord God, would just be faded away. God, we just ask right now that we would be men and women and people of the uh, word of God. And I just pray this right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, um, the giants that are in our lives, Lord, I thank you right now that we have authority over each one of us. And I pray that every person in this place will take authority over the giants in their life. Lord God, realize that God, with God is with you. There's no one that can be against you. So, God, I just pray this right now. And, Lord, I thank you right now that you said that everyone that believed on Jesus Christ would be an overcomer in this world. Who has overcome the world? It's the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God?
then God is helping you and calling you to be overcomers. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Freer, I've never had the opportunity to receive Christ in my life. I want to just ask you right now to pray this prayer with me. And you can say, you can be a part of the family of God. You can say, I believe on Jesus. And, and, and I'll tell you right now, God is going to help you to be an overcomer instead of always being overcome by the enemy. He's going to help you to overcome the enemy in the name of Jesus. If you need Jesus here this morning, you say, uh, I, I need to receive Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Just pray this prayer with me, and you're only one prayer away from salvation. Just pray this with me right now. And church family, if you'll join in, pray this prayer. Pray this for Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. And it's your will that I should be an overcomer to overcome sin, to be forgiven, and to overcome the enemies in our lives. Lord, right now, I receive you into my life, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Give me a new start today. With my mouth, I now confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that you are the Son of God, and you came to save me. And right now, Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life, and I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. If you believe on Jesus and you received him this morning, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, everyone that prayed that prayer, I'm not going to call you forward right now, but if you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, just lift your hand real high so that I can see you. Lift your hand real high. Yes, 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 over here. And others who lift your hand, yes, over here. Now give the Lord the best hand of the morning. Would you do that? Hallelujah. And we love you. Let me bless you this morning. Those of you that r raised your hand, let us know on the back side of the card that's in the seat before you. Uh, just say in the seat before you, it's an orange card. It says, I received Christ as my Savior. On the back side, just let us know by handing it in at the, uh, to an usher or the information center this morning. But we love you so much. Let me just pray a prayer of blessing over you right now. Father in heaven, I just pray a prayer of blessing over your people today. Lord, we need your healing touch. We need your spirit. God, bless your people. Give them favor, Lord God. Let them know your provision. Let them know your love. And God, I just pray right now that your face would shine on every single person in this room today. Help us to follow you closely. Help us, Lord God, to overcome the enemy. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said amen, amen. God bless you. We love you so much. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.